Good hand, amen? It's camouflaged, yeah. What I'd like to do uh, is uh, this morning, uh, we're going to, in a few minutes, we'll do the Pledge of Allegiance together, and uh, we're going to have all the kids come up uh, to join us in that, and I'm going to have all the veterans that are here come up as well. And uh, then uh, we uh, um, are going to uh, sing a couple patriotic songs this morning. You want to say anything this morning? Of course, I do. Uh, (laughs) Again, just welcome, welcome to Amazing Grace Church. We're so happy that you are here. And for those of you that are regular attenders, thank you for being here again. And, um, and for those of you that are visitors, this is us. This is who we are. And, uh, you know, how thankful we should be and are. Again, this is the month of November, so we are say, we're having a heart of gratitude this month. We're having a heart of just saying thank you and, and remembering to say thank you. And so for this service, we've dedicated to our military, to those who are first responders, and we're saying thank you, thank you, and we're remembering those who have served, who are serving, and who have passed on before us, and just remembering the sacrifice that they have made and um, and are making. And so um, this morning, as we gather together in worship, we're honoring those who have gone before us and those that are still with us, but also, too, We're here to say thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God, that, listen, we've traveled the world over, and we've been in other countries where this does not happen. Right. And this is not appreciated. Right. So we're here to say today, thank you. Amen. Thank you. So let's have all of the active and inactive military come on up here, veterans, would you please? Stand up here around the altar area. Whether you're active or inactive, you don't have to face the congregation, Rick. It's all right. Face. We're going to face the flag. And then I'm going to ask, hey, David. Hey, man. Nathan, I was, trying, I was looking at that picture. I thought, is that you? That's a long time ago. Man. Let's have all the kids come up and gather with these veterans here today. Gather around with them. We're all going to do the Pledge of Allegiance together. Come on, kids. Awesome. Amen. You have that mic. Which one of you kids wants to lead in the uh, Pledge of Allegiance? Huh? Let me, hey, the ba- ba- uh, come here, buddy. You, right there. Zane. There you go. Come on up here and you can lead. Let's all face the flag right there. I'll hold the microphone. Go ahead, buddy. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. All right. Good job. Good job, you guys. Go ahead, Chuck.
Come on, church. Great clap offering to Jesus for our United States of America. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, we worship you and we thank you.
trials, God, that this nation has faced. Father, you've been there every step of the way, God. Father, you wouldn't let it be divided. You wouldn't let it be divided, God. You brought us back into one nation, Lord God. And Father, we thank you for the believers that stood and prayed for this nation, Lord God, during that time of civil war. Father, thank you for the unity that was reestablished. Father, the power, God, of this nation, by your Holy Spirit, Father, would be evident in this world. Father, for this nation that didn't stand aside, God, in in World War I, but God entered in, Father, God, and and Father, brought deliverance, Lord Jesus, and in World War II, the same, God. Father, and on the wars that followed, God, Father, that have established truth and liberty and life and brought the gospel, Lord God, into nations of the world. Thank you, Lord God. We never let go. I can see a light that is coming for the heart that holds on. There will be an end to these troubles, but it's still that day comes. Oh, still I will praise, praise you, Lord. Still I will praise you, Lord. Yes, I see a light.
Father, for that to happen, this nation has to be free. This nation, Lord God, has to be strong. And God, men and women have risen day after day to a call that's above themselves, God, that's beyond themselves. A call, God, that is beyond even duty to a nation. But a call, Father, that is to a God who so loved the world that he gave his son 
Father, we pray for the families, God, who have given their sons and daughters. Father, that that this nation might be free and that the gospel might be presented, God, to a lost, dying world. Father, we're proud to be Americans. We're proud, Lord God, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we stand humbled here. Father, having reaped the benefits of a Christ who is willing to give his life and for soldiers and airmen and navy men and marines and all those who God who are in our police and fire departments God our coast guard who have been willing to give and sacrifice so much God for us we're humbled Lord God we thank you God
It's great to see everyone here this morning to have you with us in this special kind of a little different service that we're doing today. And uh, I want to, in a little bit, what we're going to do is we're going to pass a microphone around and try to figure out who all these folks are that are up here and uh, who they represent. And uh, because I think that's important for us to know. And so we'll be doing that in just a few moments. But I want to mention if you're a guest with us here today, in the back of your chair, there is a guest card, chairs, excuse me. And uh, we want to encourage you to fill that out if you would and drop that in the offering basket when that time comes. We are grateful for all our guests that have joined us here today. Give them a good hand. Amen. (laughs) Wonderful. Wow. Tremendous. Tremendous. Mark Chaffin, if you want to come on up, and uh, Mark's going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. I wanted to mention, too, um, we're giving to to, uh, help in Puerto Rico through, um, uh, there you go. I got it right here for you. Got you covered, brother. Um, We're giving to help the folks in Puerto Rico, and we're doing it through Samaritan's Purse. And so uh, if you would like to give towards that, that is not your tithe, but that it can be an offering, and that will all go in the black box. We know a lot of our kids are giving into that, and so uh, we invite you to do that. Give Mark a good hand this morning. Wow. Don't know where to start this morning. guess I'll start here. I love God. This is World War One. It's Kathy's grandfathers. My grandfather served in World War One. Kathy's grandfather prepared the horses to go to the front line. My grandfather flew the planes to the front line. He wasn't in the combat, but he flew them to the front line. Isn't that amazing? I always think of the Red Baron. I ain't along with Snoopy. (laughs) Amen. Wow. God's good. Amen. Uh, The offering envelopes are in the back of the chair. I'll get to that in a minute, I guess. A word of of warning for those of you that like to talk to pastor in his office before the service. Uh, I went in this morning to get the okay to do a few things. And he's... We've talked about it where I will be doing a financial seminar, similar to what Chuck and Carrie did last year on prophecy and like that. So, been working on that a little bit. So I go in this morning and I said, you know, Pastor, I think maybe on Thursday would be better than, say, on a Tuesday so people don't have to come three times and... He thought a minute, and he says, well, he says, how about Sunday and Thursday, the 2nd, 3rd, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th of January? I said, Sunday? Yeah, Sunday too. Okay, so you, you ready? <laughs> now, if you're worried about the prosperity message, the word tells us that no one will be wiser and richer than Solomon. So you don't have to worry about that. 
Okay, okay. But I do believe we as the church need to have the finances to get the gospel spread. And unfortunately, we're not there to where the gospel is not being spread as far and as fast as it needs to be. Uh, There are a number of CDs that the ushers have this morning. Jeannie and I have prayed over those CDs. Others have prayed over those CDs. So when you raise your hand, the CD that they hand you, that's God. I didn't plan it. They didn't plan it. That's God. So make sure you listen to those CDs. We'll get to that in a minute. Those CDs go clear back to Eric and Nina. Not this August, but the August before, Jeannie and I walked out of church ready to go on a two-weeks vacation, which we hadn't done for 40-some years. And this vacation was similar to what we did 40-some years ago. And Nina says, man, I don't, I don't know what to do with these. She had a grocery bag full of them. And we go, wow, we'll take them. So for two weeks, over eight hours every day, we listened to these CDs. It changed our lives. What I will be sharing in January has changed our our lives. We've listened to pastors, ministers for 40-some years. I mean, ever since we were old enough to hear them. But God has a financial kingdom that we're not aware of. The phones are great, except it always goes back to Habakkuk, and I want Malachi this morning. Malachi 3.10. I've shared it. A lot of people that take the offering share it. But listen to it. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now wherewith, saith the Lord of hosts. What I want to focus on is prove me, but... Let me read the, the, the if, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord. But this morning, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now wherewith. The church has not been teaching you how to prove God. When we put the money in the offering, we assume that it's taken care of. Sorry. This is a covenant. You have to do your part. And that's what I will try to show you is our part of how to make God's system work for you by proving him. It's as simple as believing for a vacuum cleaner if you don't have any money. Or how about a deer for going to deer, deer hunting? The person that I will be using some of the material from is Gary Cassie. Unfortunately, he is a Buckeye, but we will forget that. <laughs> but he went hunting for years. Never got a deer. Never. 
He was in financial stress like mad. He'd been to Raymond and everything else, but they were going broke. He couldn't borrow any more money at all from anybody, credit cards, anybody. When he called his dad, his dad said, how much do you need this time? It was that bad. But the Lord showed him how to believe for a deer. And I'll, I don't know what stories I'll share or however, but I'll try to show you how God's financial kingdom works. In verse 11, it's talking about the devil who has rule over this earth because man gave it to him. But how God supersedes his authority if we know what to do. Right, Lynn? Amen. Right, Chuck? Amen. There's some of them. Amen. How to believe for customers for your business. How to believe for a house. How do you believe for a car? And it's not borrowing the money. That's the world system. And unfortunately, when you borrow the money, and I've got a lot borrowed, you, have a, you form a covenant with the bank. And that's the wrong covenant and stuff on it. Amen. Okay, who wants a CD? Raise your hand. Ushers, get to them quick. Quick. Amen. Amen. Wow. I'm not going to have enough. I'm sorry. Hey, I'm telling you, normally that doesn't happen. Pastor and Sharon and Charlie cleaned out all kinds of stuff, and they were out on the table for over three weeks. Three weeks. I'm thinking, you're missing it. Amen. Amen. The interesting thing is what I have learned is listening to Gary Cassie on the finances is now when I listen to Hagen, I listen to Copeland, I listen to Joyce Meyer, it comes alive of what they're saying. I didn't I wasn't getting it before. It wasn't simple enough for me, but now it is. And it's like, wow. And that's what I will be trying to do in January is to open your eyes to be able to see it better is what I'm hoping on that. Uh, Last thing. Back to my grandfather. Thank you, Kathy. That was God. Went to MSU. We've had four generations go to Michigan State. The interesting thing about this, unfortunately, my grandfather died before I really got to talk. I was only 12, so I really couldn't talk to him to know what happened and stuff. Uh, An interesting thing is uh, for those, they used to give the diplomas on sheepskin not paper, it's a regular sheepskin. My uncle has that original sheepskin. I have a copy of it, but it was on sheepskin years ago. My grandfather was in Abbott Hall in the basement. When I was there, I was in Abbott Hall on third floor. Didn't know that until after I was there and stuff. But my point is this, I get the MSU alumni magazine, and I go, I look through it, 
And in that magazine, it, it has all the people that have been listed and given money to Michigan State. There's nothing wrong with that, but when I was looking at that, the Lord said, but this is the world system. This is not my system. With what you're giving today is for eternity. It's getting people saved. It's getting people fed. It's getting God's word out to make a difference in this world. Abbott Hall and Mason probably won't be there much longer. The two next to it are gone. The names of those people are Abbott and Mason. They gave the money for those. They're gone. But the money that you give into the kingdom today is eternity. The word tells us that that's recorded for you in heaven. That's something? Amen. It will last forever. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we give you the glory and the honor. I thank you, Lord, for the ones giving into your message and into your kingdom today. Bless them, Lord. Your word says that you will bless them, and they're doing it in faith. I thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name. If you want to come forward to give your offering there.
Give them a good hand. Great job, worship team. Beautiful. You guys can be seated, if you would. And uh, we, um, I have a little video I want to show you. It's just a couple minutes. And uh, it's a, uh, a video I shot with Joe Farrell here in the front row about his dad. And uh, just so you know, the original that we, man, Jeff worked all week getting it edited, it crashed on us. It's not working. So we had to take the one that was on my phone. So it's going to be kind of raw footage, okay? And uh, so you might, you know, you might, you're going to hear me introduced, you know, doing some stuff. But it's okay, okay? We, we can handle it. So, Greg, if you want to cue that up, if we've got it, and uh, we get the audio for it, and we'll let you guys watch it. So Joe and I just finished our uh, Monday morning workout, and I wanted to take a couple minutes to talk with him about his dad. Uh, his dad was an incredible man, uh, fought in World War II, and uh, so, uh, Joe, tell us your dad's name. Uh, same as mine, Joseph P. Farrell Sr. Senior. I'm, I'm junior. A junior, yeah. okay. Yeah. Now, your dad uh, served over in in, uh, in the military during World War II. Yeah, uh, the European campaign in European. Uh, France and Germany. Okay. Yeah. And... We were talking a little bit uh, during one of our workouts about how that uh, communication was so poor and how that, you know, that for, talk a little bit about that, how your mom wouldn't hear from him for long periods yeah. of time. Well, from what I understand, the transatlantic phone line wouldn't put in until the 1950s. And so phone calls were, there were none. Right. And so unless you were a high-ranking officer, I mean, the rank, dad was a corporal. And he's on the front line, and when you could get a letter, it, it was a blessing. Yeah. So you, there was no other communication between husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend right. than a letter. Yeah. And so that that played out. Uh, I had uh, three older sisters, uh-huh. and uh, two of them were called furlough babies. Right. And, but one in particular, my sister Jackie, uh-huh. Uh, she was conceived while dad was on furlough right. before he went overseas yeah. to fight in World War II. Right. Well, he doesn't know right away if uh, my mom's pregnant, you know, or, you know, back in that day. And so he does find out through a letter that mom is pregnant. Right. But he doesn't find out when she has a baby until he gets a, a notice from the Red Cross. And it said, Corporal Farrell, you've. Uh, your wife has had a child and the name is Jackie but they didn't specify if it was male or female right and so that they didn't know you yeah. know and so he thinks well maybe I maybe I got a boy this time right and uh, thing about it is Jackie of course is a girl she's my only living sibling and he didn't find out until a letter later from my mom wow. that Jackie was 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 a girl and she was considered a furlough baby because he was back in the States. Yeah. And my sister Barbara was a furlough baby also because she was conceived while he was still in the United States on furlough. Wow, wow. Yeah, so communication was, a, was pre I mean, if you got a letter, it was like gold is what my dad told me. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. and you know, it's almost, uh, you know, as, as we think about in our big communication time now, you know, where information's passed back and forth, at least on a weekly basis, you know, between, yeah. uh, during campaigns that, um, 
you know, that to not know, to not hear. I mean, so many that lost loved ones that um, it did the information didn't get back here until you know weeks later that the that people found out about it. Right, and I mean, just uh, you know, some of the time over there, he got he got wounded. And my mom didn't know about that right away. Yeah. It wasn't a severe wound. I think it was shrapnel, if I remember right. Okay. And um, he also was awarded the uh, Bronze Star. I, wow. don't, I don't have that medal. I don't right. know where it is. Yeah. But I, I know my dad got that along with a, a, a Purple Heart. Amen. I'm real proud of him. Thanks, Joe, for sharing that with us and with the, with the folks. You know, we just honor the sacrifices that veterans uh, have made and, and uh, you know, even those who are active now, uh, still being so far away, so many of them being distant from family. Uh, and then you hear about this in the past, uh, during this incredible world, the world wars, how that the sacrifices of, that you just didn't know, even about children being born until later on, or whether they were boys or girls or what was going on. And so we salute that and we salute your dad for all that uh, he did for the country. Thank you, Joe. Yep. Well, good. Good job. <laughs> that turned out all right. Amen. And I'll just mention, Joe found this at his uh, house, and so um, this is uh, the uh, certificate for his dad's bronze star that he received. And there's a little picture up here if you want to see a, a photo of him, okay? Uh, what I'd like to do, and, uh, you know, um, we have so much representation here, and just so we can kind of touch base with this. Um, I'm going to just start on a side, and we'll just go through, and you tell if you have something up here. There's a lot of us that don't have anything up. Like my great, my grandfather, he's not up here, but he served in one and two in the Navy. Uh, let's just talk about what's here, okay? And uh, so if you have something that's up here, uh, I want you to at least tell who it is. I see Eric's picture up there, so do you want to, you want to tell? That's just Eric Amos. He's our new son-in-law, and he is a captain in the Air Force. All right, good. Anybody else? Nate, you're, go ahead. Right there on the end, that's my dad, who was a captain in the National Guard. And next to that is my great-grandfather, his flag, his Purple Heart, his Bronze Star, and the other European theater medals. Wow, awesome, man. Anybody else? Yeah. <laughs> Um, my dad in his dress uniform is in the silver frame, and my Uncle George, who was um, in the U.S. Air Force, is a little picture next to it. And on the step um, was my grandpa, who was in the Korean War, and my other grandpa, who served in the Navy. I served three years from uh, 97 to 2001, uh, and our unit deployed Iraq. Um, up in the five by seven on the top row is a picture of my baby sister Angela representing the Marine Corps. Uh, I'm Emilio Bailey. I'm uh, served three years in the national, yeah, in the National Guard. Oh. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Good. Tiffany. Um, on the far left side is my father-in-law Ed O'Brien's flag. He served in the Navy. else here? I want to make sure we get everybody. Kath, anybody here? David, stand up. You served. Dave Alexander, uh, 98 to 2002. Went to Afghanistan right after 9-11. All right. Thank you, sir. Of course, Mark's 
<clears throat> Mark's already told you about my grandfather. He served in uh, World War I in France in the Calvary. Uh, and then on this side is my dad's flag. He served in World War II in the Philippines. And next to dad's flag is just a, a little five-by-seven that uh, has our uh, grandson, um, Jeremy Rose. He, uh, he served uh, three tours of duty in uh, the Middle East. I can't remember exactly which, which countries, but uh, he served there. Excellent. All right. Anybody here in this row? Want, got something up there? Anybody here? Bonnie? My father, Louis Tuller, is down in the front here in a plastic case there. Served in World War II in Germany and France. He was one of the first that, uh, he was in the artillery, one of the first that went into the concentration camps that freed um, the people in the concentration camps. So out of his regiment, I think he said there was 200 and something, and only eight or ten lived. So. That kind of puts it all in perspective. Anybody in this row? I just want to make sure anybody in this row. Anybody here? I'll mention uh, mine. My, my mother, uh, she was a sergeant in the Marine Corps, uh, my dad was a sergeant in the Marine Corps, and then my uncle, who served in World War II. Uh, um, Rick? I have two flags up there. One that I was uh, honored with for 22 years of service, and then my, my dad's flag is up there for the Korean War. Uh, my stepdad's flag, which I call my daddy, um, is up there, and he was in World War One. Rick, work. how many guys think it's awesome that he could fit into his uniform? So he's been uh, fasting since January, so. Um, I have my dad's flag up there, and he was um, in Italy, and he was actually gone when I was born and my brother was gone, born. And then my father-in-law's flag is there, and he was a military police in the in the army in Germany. Okay. All right. You want to say for your? Uh, we have a picture of Elisha up there, and he's um, actually almost retired. <laughs> um, three tours of duty in Afghanistan. Amazing. Anybody here? Yes, ma'am. Uh, my father, Bob Bates, up there, he's the one on the poster where it says our hero, and it's got all the pictures around it. He was on the Pacific front in New Guinea, and they suffered a lot of loss there also. And I don't want to keep talking. Oh, that's great. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know, I just, you got to wave at me. Um, my dad's flag's up there. He just passed away um, in January. He was a gunner and a radio man uh, in the Air Force. Uh, he, they came back on one engine one time bombing Normandy. Uh, they had eight bullet holes and more in their um, aircraft. They have pictures of it. Wow. Wow, tremendous. All right. Ken? I have uh, 
two uh, flags up there. The one with the picture with the purple heart, that was my uh, uncle. He was killed in Normandy, uh, and the purple heart was rewarded to my grandparents posthumously. Uh, my dad's flag is up there. Uh, he served in the European theater in, in Europe. He was a combat medic, and when he got out, he had three degrees to go to any medical college when he got out, and he would not go. He wouldn't even even go into a hospital until 1956. Wow. Wow. All right. Anybody? I don't want to miss anybody. Floyd? Yes, I have my dad's flag up there. He fought in World War II. Uh, he won a Silver Star and a Bronze Star. Uh, and uh, we miss him a whole lot. Anybody in here? Yes, Brad. My dad's flag is up there. He served in in the Korean conflict, and uh, he was a sergeant. And he never talked about it much. But I had a first cousin who's retired Navy. He was a captain of a destroyer. And uh, special mention to a brother-in-law, um, Jim Hartner, who was an MP in the Marine Corps. Yes, ma'am. I have two flags up there. One is my brother-in-law, Richard Foy. He passed away this past January. And my nephew, Richard Goward, he was in Iraq when he was, when he passed. <laughs> and he was also a correctional officer in St. Louis when he was deployed to Iraq. In the silver frame up there is, is my grandson, Spencer Seiler. He is, <clears throat> has been in the Air Force for four years now and is a star, staff sergeant, and he is now stationed in Guam. So thank you, Jim. Yeah, amen. Absolutely. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. You served in Vietnam, correct? Okay, Ken, Vietnam, right? Did I miss any of the, uh, yeah, Jim, Vietnam. Chuck, World War I? No. <laughs> you know, it's kind of ironic because when we sang that song, God Bless America, the name of the aircraft carrier I was on was USS America. Uh, CBA 66, there's 14 aircraft carriers now. They're mostly nuclear. Uh, believe it or not, with all the people that serve, we had over 5,000 people just on that aircraft carrier alone. So you can just imagine what all these ships and stuff out there, how many people. There's over a million people, over a million people that are serving right now. So, If you have a uniform and you want it for history, Frankenmuth has a wonderful place to take it, and uh, I took my dad's stuff all there. They have display cases. It's amazing when you walk through this museum that they have started, and they're looking for funds to increase it. And uh, we were able to go to the Horizon Center last um, fall and uh, view all of the different uniforms, and they have everybody's from way back. I mean, 
it's amazing. And they preserve them and put them under glass and put all their medals in the cases and everything. So if you want to go see something very memorable, go to Frankenmuth. Excellent. Well, let's give all of our veterans that are here and also all of you. Thank God for all of these. Most of us, um, this is a very surreal environment because we recognize the sacrifices. I think a service like this is important because our kids need to know. If our children do not remember and know what sacrifices have been made for our nation, we will be a lost nation. Freedom is not free. And uh, so I just, uh, you know, I, I don't know if we'll do this every year, but I felt like this year the Holy Spirit, the Lord really spoke to me to do this. And I want to thank you guys for honoring that and uh, doing your part to bring uh, stuff in. With that, we're going to go ahead and dismiss our children. About a half hour calf. We can plan accordingly. And did it at the uh, Memorial uh, Day service. Um, to me, it was quite a moving uh, story. I found out uh, just this last week that it was written up by a chaplain in the United States Marine Corps, actually, uh, who came to Michigan to speak at one of the high schools. And uh, I think the things that he shared at that high school really shook the kids up, and I think it shook the adults up as well. And he asked the question, what is a veteran? He said, some veterans bear visible signs of their service, a missing limb, a jagged scar, a certain look in the eye. Others may carry the evidence inside them, a pin holding a bone together, a piece of shrapnel in the leg, or perhaps another sort of inner steel, the soul's ally forged in adversity. Except in parades, however, the men and women who have kept America safe wear no badge or emblem. You can't tell a vet just by looking. So what is a vet? She or he is the nurse who fought against futility and went to sleep sobbing every night for two solid years in Da Nang. He is the POW who went away one person and came back another or didn't come back at all. He's the Quantico drill instructor who has never seen combat but has saved countless lives by turning slouchy, no-account rednecks and gang members into Marines and teaching them to watch each other's backs. He is the parade riding legionnaire who pins on his medals, who pins on his medals with a prosthetic hand. He is the career quartermaster who watches the medals and ribbons pass him by. He is the three anonymous heroes in the tomb of the unknowns, whose presence at the Arlington National Cemetery must preserve the memory of all the anonymous heroes whose valor dies unrecognized with them on the battlefield or in the ocean, sunless deep. He is the old guy bagging groceries at the supermarket, palsied now and aggravatingly slow, who helped liberate a Nazi death camp and wishes all day long that his wife were still alive to hold him when the nightmares come. He is the ordinary and yet extraordinary human being, a person who offered some of his life's most vital years in the service of his or her country.
so others would not have to sacrifice theirs. He is a soldier and a savior and a sword against the darkness. He is nothing more than the finest, greatest testimony on behalf of the finest, greatest nation ever known. So remember, each time you see someone who has served our country, just lean over and say thank you. That's all most people need. In most cases, it will mean more than any medals they could have been awarded or were awarded. Two little words that mean a lot. Thank you. Father Dennis Edward O'Brien, United States Marine Corps. Powerful, isn't it? There's something extraordinary, whether it's a veteran in the military or it's active duty or it's a first responder in our country, that someone would lay down their life for someone else, to put their life on the line. We sometimes can forget how much is actually going on around us, and really it's not until we need it that we actually think a lot about it. I mean, we're grateful for our fire department, but most of us, all our lives, will not need the fire department. But yet, yeah, we hope, but we need them. We're grateful for the police officer. We don't think a lot about them. We hear a lot of negative things and positive things, but when we need them, We are very, very glad that they're there and that they're there for us. We don't think a lot about our veterans because we're, for some of us, it's not as real for us that we were not there. We did not go through the battle. We watched it on TV. You know, I'm one of the products of the 60s and 70s. So all of Vietnam, I watched on television. And of course, that was very skewed in the way that it was being presented. But I remember the riots. I remember all of the trouble at Kent State. I was just, my, our home was just a few miles away from Kent State at the time when the shootings took place there and, and uh, they shut the city down. I remember all of that. But it wasn't until later in life that I really understood the sacrifices that are made by these veterans, by these people, these first responders, these people that put their life. The Bible says how, what great love, uh, no greater love, has anyone than to lay down their life for their friends. You know, I think in our society today, and I'm not trying to pontificate nor be in politics, but I think in our society today that the soldier, the first responder, not only lays down their life for their friends, but in many cases for their enemies as well. And the very ones that mock them and ridicule them, they're still willing to put their life on the line to save them. And I think that is a very, very honorable, powerful thing. What great, what a great, no greater love than to lay down our lives for our country, for our people, for the people, our friends that are around us. So if you're not a a veteran, uh, I encourage you just to make sure to thank those. Always take time to find those who have served in some capacity. And it doesn't matter whether they have a lot of medals or not. It takes a lot. It takes cooks to run an army. Amen. It takes a lot of cooks. It takes a lot of quartermasters to put all that stuff and gear together for those young men and women. So we thank each and every one of them because of the part that they play. But as we bring this maybe down to our environment here, we take it to the next level and talk about being a spiritual veteran. You know, a lot of us here have been through a lot of wars in our lives, and they weren't 
physical wars. They were spiritual wars. They were battles that we fought on dark nights alone. Sometimes it felt like with only the Lord's hand to guide us and lead us when we felt desperate and hurting and in pain and not sure about what was going to happen tomorrow. We are spiritual veterans of that war and we in no way belittle any of the other side of that. We're the physical wars, but those spiritual battles can be great battles and they can be things that we, uh, we and, and truthfully, that we are all going to face and if we haven't faced or are facing right now. What is a spiritual veteran? A spiritual veteran is someone who is, according to Webster's, a, a veteran is a person who has had long service or experience in an occupation. How many of you have been a Christian for more than 30 years here? Raise your hand high. Come on. I mean, I know you don't have Sunday school pins to show that, but... How many longer than 40 years? 40 years. Yeah. That's a long time. How long? How many more? 20. You're 20 years. You've been a Christian. 10. Just got saved. (laughs) Awesome. Well, listen, I want to encourage you today. You are a spiritual veteran because you are a part of something. You are a person who has had service and experience in an occupation as a Christian. And as you hold that place in your life, you're going to face a lot of different battles. What really distinguishes a veteran? A veteran is a person, uh, and what does it take to be a veteran? I think of the first thing, unless you were part of a draft, you volunteered to do what you're doing. You know, you volunteered to be a part of the Lord's army. Uh, you, God didn't make you do it, you know. Uh, I only know a few people that God really pushed and drafted in. The Apostle Paul was one of them. He didn't really give him much of a choice, did he? He just knocked him off his horse and said, you're in, buddy. And uh, that's the way it is. And, uh, but for most of us, we volunteered to be a part of God's army, to be a part of his kingdom, to do what we're doing. And that's really the, the way that the Lord uh, wanted that to happen for us. You and I, we have been brought into his kingdom. God has brought us into his family. He has brought us into his army. And this passage in Timothy says it like that. In chapter two, it says, thou therefore endure hardness. This is chapter two, verse three. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man who wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. So what does it take to be a soldier? Well, it takes the willingness to volunteer. Most of these men that are here volunteered to be in the military. These guys here, they volunteered. They made the choice. We make that choice to be in God's kingdom. God calls us to that. In fact, the Bible tells us in Peter that God is long suffering towards us because he wants us all in his army. He wants us all in his kingdom. He wants us all to be a part of his great family. And so he gives us that choice. What else does it take to really be a part to really be in, what does it take to be a part of the spiritual veterans? It takes complete faith. Complete faith. When it comes to faith, the Lord wants us to be true veterans, experienced through long service and practice. See, I know that for you that have been Christians for a while, it's been tough. It has. I mean, look, there's no denying that there are some tough things you've had to face in your life. Bad reports, external circumstances that just seemed overwhelming. All of us have. Some of you have been through terrible divorces, uh, lost your children, watched them, you know, just the suffering and difficulty that you've been through. But I want you to know this. I commend you that you did not give up on your God. 
that you didn't quit on God. You may have thought about it. You know, sometimes, you know, I'm sure when the pressure's on, I'm sure some of these military, the guys that served in active campaigns would say, you know, there's always that temptation just to take off, run, to get out, because who wants to deal with all that pressure? But I want you to know that God has trained you for the day that you're in. He has prepared you. He would not put you in a campaign, a battle in your life that you were not trained and ready to face. You can do this. You can overcome this. If you've been diagnosed with cancer, you can beat this. If you have been, if you're dealing with a a loved one that's not walking with God, you can deal with this. You can face this and you can face it with complete faith because you are equipped by almighty God to face those battles. And he knew you would be able to do it. So that's why he didn't pull you from dealing with it. He didn't cause it, but he's enabled you to overcome it. In the Marine Corps, and they teach this throughout the military, one of the things that, uh, and we talk about this with our staff here at Amazing Grace, that whenever we're faced with difficulty, there's three things that we do. We innovate, we adapt, and we overcome. You know, innovation is an important part of life because life is not consistent. God may be the same yesterday, today, and forever, but your life is not. You face challenges. You face difficulties. Things don't always go the way that you plan. You know, you're in a great planning time right now. What is it, next week? Not this week, but the next week. Everybody, you know, plans for Thanksgiving. Uh, Everybody's thinking, you know, turkey and dressing and mashed potatoes and sweet potatoes and stuffing, homemade rolls. You're not drooling yet. I'm just going to keep going. (laughs) Pumpkin pie and right. And, you know, all those things that we plan and we prepare for. But, you know, next week there are people that will deal with adversity in their life right before all this happens. But we don't give up. We innovate in the midst of it. We find ways to to overcome it. We find ways that we can innovate. We adapt to that environment and then we prepare to win that battle. We have faced here in our church, in our leadership, I, my staff could testify to this, we faced all kinds of adversity together. But through that all, we didn't go apart. We innovated together. We adapted together. And then we overcame whatever environment that was so that we could, so that we could win the day. Amen. So you have to have complete faith. And that leads me to the next part you have to have to be a spiritual veteran. And that is you have to have complete commitment. You have to have complete commitment. You can't pull back. You can't withdraw. You can't run away. You have to face it. You have to stick together. You have to work together. And commitment, it can be a real challenging thing because sometimes, you know, when things aren't going so great in our lives, we can get a little gnarly with each other. But we have to be committed. We have to be committed to the purpose that God has given to us. We have to stay committed that we're going to get through this. We're going to fight until we're done fighting. And the battle's not over until the battle's over. And when it's over, then we'll rest. You know, I have in so many situations in my life pushed myself in in, in battles that we fought spiritually that, you know, almost to the point of exhaustion and, and and, and I know the pain. I know what it's like to, to lay on your couch at night at 3 a.m. in the morning and crying your eyes out because you're just not sure. You're wondering what happened. 
What happened to my life? What happened? God, where were you? Why is this going on? You know, we could start chewing on God a little bit, wondering, you know, God, do you really care? Do you really love me? Why did you let this? Why, why didn't you stop this before it happened? I've, I've done that before. I know what that feels like. I'm not saying it's right. I just know what it's like. And I want you to know that, listen, what I've learned about God is God is faithful and he is true. And even when you and I, when we think God has left, he has not left. He is still there. And even when you quit fighting, God never quit fighting. God never gave up. He's always stayed in the battle. He's always stayed in the fray, ready to help you to get through whatever it is that you're going through. It says in the scripture that sorrow may last for a night. But there is a joy coming. Can I prophesy to you that there is a joy coming? Can I say to you today that there is a joy coming over that thing in your life? And it may not look like you might be in the midst of that sorrow. But look, I'm telling you, don't give up. Because joy is coming. Joy is coming in the morning. Praise the Lord. You know, um, it requires a lot of discipline to live that way. I was reading this uh, I was reading this account. You may have heard this before about Winston Churchill, you know, during the World War, during the World Wars and how that he was leading in England. And there's a story told and the legacy of the story has has picked out parts of it. And uh, so the legacy is always much bigger than what actually happened. OK, but he was speaking to uh, at his at a school in England and uh, there were teachers and, of course, students that were there. And uh, Churchill barely made it through school. He was actually, I think it was Harrow High School, where he had graduated from, and uh, barely. And uh, here he is. He's the prime minister of England. And uh, so here he's, he's in there talking to all these students. Now, the legacy says that he got up. They did a, the guy introduced him for an hour and a half of how awesome he was. You know, all the, because I mean, look, Churchill led a great, I mean, he was a great leader in his day. And so talked for an hour and a half. And the legacy says that Churchill then walked to the podium after he was introduced and he looked over the crowd of all these students and teachers. And this is what he said to them. Never, ever, ever give up. And he paused. And then he moved to his second point. Never, ever, ever give up. Never, ever, ever give up. Now, there's a lot of different versions of this story. Some say he said, never give in. Some said, never quit. But it doesn't really matter because it all means the same thing, doesn't it? Churchill told that crowd that day, those young boys that were there and all of those teachers, he said, guys, listen to me. Don't let life take you down. Never, ever, ever. Christine, never, ever, ever quit. Never. Boy, if we in the church would grab hold of that, that we would say that to each other. That we would look at one another and say, never. Joe, never, ever. Dealing with cancer, never, ever, ever quit. Dealing with death, never, ever, ever quit. Look at the person next to you and just look them in the eye and say that to them right now. Come on, do it. Never, ever. 
Now, let me tell you, I'll bet you we could all tell stories of when we wanted to, though. Stories of when we wanted to, when we just wanted to say, that's it. I'm disengaging. I'm out of here. I'm not going on. Never, ever, ever quit. I think to be a spiritual veteran, you have to have complete obedience. You have to learn to follow orders from your king, your savior, without argument, and just do what you're told to do by God. Sometimes it's hard because, you know, we're Americans. We, we have an opinion. But there are things that God has asked us to do. Did you know right now in America, and this is a true story, this is a true fact. Do you know that right now in America, that the average church attender only comes to church once a month right now? Now, just a couple of years ago, it was twice a month. It's dropped to one time out of a month. The average attender doesn't come to church more than 16 times a year. I don't know what that feels like, you know. I mean, you say, well, you've got to be here. Well, I, would, I go to church even when I'm not preaching. I mean, you know, Sharon and I, we were talking about this, and, and some of you will relate to it. 52 weeks out of the year, we were in Sunday morning service. 52 weeks out of the year, we were in Sunday night service. 52 weeks out of the year, we were in midweek service. We were in 158, 56. Math is not my strong suit. You're probably thinking neither is preaching. Uh, 156 times. And you know what? We never thought anything different. Man, we hauled our kids to church. They'd sleep on the, they'd lay down on the seats and go to sleep. I mean, they, we, we just went. We never discussed anything different. Now today, the average church attender comes one time a month. And then you add the specials in there so you'll have 16 times. My Bible teaches that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Look, we're all busy. We all got other things we could do, but we shouldn't forsake. And here's why. He said in in Hebrews that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some, and even more so as we see the day approaching, the day of Christ's return. So, you know, with all the things that are going on in the world right now, we definitely, we just got came through that series on what time is it. We see all kinds of things that are happening out there. I've chosen, you know, for me, We've said this so many times in our house. As for me and my house, we will, we will serve the Lord. And that means serve means don't do it my way, do it his way, whatever that looks like. And I'm not preaching on church attendance today. I'm just telling you that this is a prime example. You want to be a veteran in God's spiritual army, you got you to follow, follow the orders. God gave us orders. God didn't say, you know, here are my 10 suggestions for you to follow. You're to keep the Sabbath. Keep it. It's holy unto the Lord. You're to have a day there that you're keeping to the Lord. So he tells us in Malachi that we're to bring our tithes and offerings to the storehouse. He didn't say think about bringing it. He said bring it. We're to serve. 
We've all been given gifts and abilities. See, God's calling us to do it. And it isn't a, we'll say things back, well, I'll, I'll pray about it. What's there to pray about if God said do it? Can you imagine a soldier that his commander says, I need you to go into this campaign? And he says, well, let me pray about it. Or perhaps he comes up with the even more spiritual answer and says, I just don't feel led to go. I don't feel led to go. Yeah. See, that's because you're trained not to do that. God's trying to train some of you to stop responding all the time and just do what you're told to do. I don't know how you're doing in your training. That's between you and God. But God is trying to teach us obedience. John Newton, the guy that wrote the the author of Amazing Grace, he said this. If two angels in heaven were given assignments by God at the same time, one of them to go and rule over the greatest nation on earth and the other to go sweep the streets of the dirtiest village, each angel would be completely indifferent as to which one got which assignment. Who cares who gets what's assignment? Let's just do what we're told to do. Amen? Let's just do what we're told to do. So we have to have complete obedience and then we have to have complete devotion. Complete devotion. Devotion means to have an earnest attachment to a cause or to a person, a profound dedication. One day I looked at myself, at the self that Christ can see, and I saw the person I am today and the one I ought to be. I saw how little I really pray and how little I really do. I saw the influence of my life and how little of it was true. I saw the bundle of faults and fears I ought to lay on the shelf. I had given a little bit to God, but I hadn't given myself. I came from seeing myself with my mind made up to be the sort of person that Christ can use with a heart he may always see. May we all live in devotion to our Savior. You know, the first thing we talked about here in this message was about that you got to be a volunteer. I mean, God's not drafting you in. He's volunteering you into his kingdom. All of us in this room, at one point or another, will be faced with the decisions that we've made in our lives about Christ. Some of us will just think that he was just a good teacher, but that's not enough. Some of us will think he was a prophet, but that is not enough. And some of us will look at him as our Savior and Lord, and that is enough. God calls us into his family because of the great love that he has for us. So we could talk about all the soldiers that have laid down their life. But the greatest soldier of all was Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for people who would mock him, spit him, ridicule him, who one day cheered him and the next day hated him. And yet he did it all willfully because of the love that he had for them. No greater love has anyone than to lay down their life for their friend. So I want to ask you today, in your life, have you made a decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? For some of us, that's easy. For some of us, we're not sure. If you're not sure, let's make it right today. Amen? Bow your heads with me if you would. Father, I thank you that, uh, Lord, you call us in your kingdom. You call us to serve, you call us to love, you call us to follow. 
Lord, sometimes we don't do such a great job of that, and we're truly sorry for that. But Lord, my mind is today and my heart is towards those who maybe are not hearing the volunteer call yet in their life. They've not responded to it. And Father, I pray today, Lord God, that you would touch the hearts of men and women here by your Holy Spirit, that you're calling them to yourself. That, Lord, no matter what happens in this life, the guarantee is is that because they have a relationship with you, you will never, ever, ever, ever give up on them, and you will never, ever leave them. This morning, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you'd just honor this moment, please. If today you would say, Pastor Jolliffe, my life is not right with God, but I want to make it right here today. In a moment, we're going to pray together. I'm going to give you that opportunity, though, to make an acknowledgement that you need to pray this prayer today in your life, that your life is not right with God. And that, look, nobody's judging, condemning. We're just here to help you. But if you would say today, my life is not right with God and I need prayer, Pastor, would you pray with me today? While heads are bowed, eyes are closed, please, nobody's looking around. If you just make eye contact with me and say, pray for me today. Pray for me today, Pastor. Pray for me all over the building. Amen. Thank you. Is there anyone else here today? Say, that's me. I need prayer today. I want to be right with God. I want my life to be right with God. Thank you, brother. Amen. God bless you. Anyone else here today? Join these two men. We're going to pray in just a minute, but we want to keep that opportunity. Thank you. Join these three today. Father God, thank you that you're touching hearts right now. You're touching hearts by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Would everyone stand with me, please, and join me in prayer today as we pray for these three. Amen. Isn't that exciting? Praise the Lord. We're, we're excited for you guys today. Now, listen, let's pray together. We're going to all close our eyes. We'll pray this prayer together. The faith is the prayer that it is it. It's the prayer is not magic. It's the faith that you release as you pray it and you believe that you receive exactly what the prayer talks about. Say this out loud with me. Lord Jesus, you were born of a virgin. You lived a sinless life and you died a horrible death. You did all that for me. What great love you have shown me. Three days later, you rose from the dead. Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin and I turn to you. I need your help, Lord. I want to serve you. I want to be a spiritual veteran following after you in your army. And so, Jesus, I thank you as I turn from sin and turn to you. You are now Lord of my life. You are my commander in chief. And I follow you. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand for all these that prayed. Amen. God bless you. I felt it would be fitting as we close this service this morning that, um, that we play taps in honor of those who have fallen and uh, so this morning we're going to do that, and then we'll dismiss the service uh, at the end. But, uh, you know, if you've ever been by a graveside when taps was played, it is one of the most sombering moments and uh, is extremely moving. 
And uh, there's, so, there's some lines to this that are very, very powerful. And I encourage you to get on Google uh, and look up the words that actually go with this song because most of us don't know all of them. But uh, they're extremely powerful. But Chuck? 